Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. It's the end of another week and the end of another good week in the Word. You all, we have done um, Jonah and Nahum uh, this week. Uh, finished. Uh, gosh, we finished two different books of the Bible in one week, so that's pretty good, y'all. We go verse by verse through the Word of God. Uh, and uh, we are finishing up the prophet Nahum and starting the book of Acts on Monday morning. I can't wait, but let's finish up Nahum. Thanks for being with me. I hope you've read. Um, I know that Nahum, uh, this is the kind of reading that gets really tedious. And uh, again, as I've been saying for the last few days, this is the kind of passage, the, the bloody God of war kind of passage that people say turns them off from the Bible or makes them question the integrity of the God of the Bible because you have this Jesus who is supposed to be the embodiment of a God of love and then this bloodthirsty, vengeful God in places in the Old Testament like Nahum chapter 3. But I hope that this reading has caused you to really rethink uh, that, that God that people often think they find in the Old Testament, this, this, this God of vengeance and blood. He is a God of wrath, make no mistake, but he is slow to get angry. And once more, we're talking about one of the most wicked empires that ever existed. God sent the prophet Jonah to call them to repentance. God's given them over a hundred years to change their wicked ways. And the Assyrian empire, as I've been saying, one of the most violent, bloodthirsty, brutal regimes that's ever existed on planet earth. And so what you see is God's finally bringing uh, terrible evildoers to account for what they've done in the world. Uh, that's what the book of Nam is about. And that's what chapter three is about. Now, so you, that you can understand, especially the first few verses, understand that chapter three is what in prophetic literature we would call a woe um, oracle. An oracle is a, is a prophetic word, oracle. A woe is just that woe is me, woe. Uh, it's, a, it's a proclamation of doom or danger that would be pronounced over those that, uh, that have been doomed by God. And so here, this is a woe article. Now, I, I say that to you so that you will understand that there's a certain kind of structure to a, to a woe oracle. Uh, there is first the announcement uh, of guilt, or, or the accusation, followed by the the, the judgment or the, the the pronouncement of the sentence. So you've got the uh, the uh, accusation or the announcement, and then the judgment that that follows. Uh, that helps you understand those first few verses, uh, verses one through four in chapter three. This is the uh, the accusation. This is what Assyria has done to warrant her punishment. This is important so that when you read, hear the crack of whips, the rumble of wheels, horses hooves pound, chariots chatter wildly, the flashing swords, the glittering spears, the charioteers charge past. We're talking about Assyria. This is a picture of Assyria's own bloodthirsty conquest. We're not talking about the coming judgment here. Previous chapter, we had that vision, that prophetic vision of of a serious downfall, but no, this is a flashback to the kinds of conquests of which Assyria has been guilty. This is the charge of her sin, right? So I see the flashing swords, the glittering spears. These are the swords and spears that belong to Assyria. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. That's because of the wickedness of Assyria. That's their conquest. That's their blood. You, you see that? All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, isn't that an amazing description? The beautiful and faithless city 
Wow, Mistress of Deadly Charms. Uh, Nineveh is portrayed here as this, this harlot who seduces the nations uh, with promises of wealth or promises of protection. They don't ever really know what's coming once they get in bed with Assyria. You understand I me? Mean, that's I know, kind of crude language, but this is the language that the prophet is using. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. You know, it's this idea that she woos and entices them with promises of wealth or prosperity, uh, but ultimately she's only planning their destruction. Assyria plans a destruction. So that's the accusation, right? Heaps of bodies, this harlot nation. And then verses five to seven, here's the judgment, the pronouncement of judgment. Again, a, a, a woe oracle has two parts. The second part is judgment. I am against you. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now I will lift your skirts and show all the earth your nakedness and shame. Again, Nineveh is portrayed as this seductress, this harlot, and, and now the picture of judgment is that her skirts will be lifted. She will be shown for the shameful harlot that she is. I will cover you with filth and show the world how vile you really are. And where will the mourners be? Who's going to regret your destruction? Again, it's the picture that the whole earth is going to rejoice when this evil empire is destroyed. They have done enough damage. Now, these next verses, verses 8 to 13, I think are really interesting. Um, primarily because it says in verse 8, are you any better than the city of Thebes? Now, Thebes was one of the first and most majestic uh, cities in the, in the ancient Orient. Thebes was the capital city of, of Ethiopia, and, and, and so in that sense, the, the, the central city of Egypt, back in Egypt's heyday. For over 1,400 years, Thebes was just considered, you know, the, the, the most regal, uh, the, the, the leading city in the world for, you know, for centuries, 1,400 years. Uh, but Thebes was conquered in the year 663 by uh, Ashurbanipal, the king of Assyria. <laughs> so uh, all I'm saying is like 50 years prior, Assyria conquered Thebes. So when it talks about Thebes being situated on the Nile River, surrounded by water, again, remember that Nineveh is a city that is protected by this series of rivers and moats, and they consider that, that, that river its protection. She was protected by rivers on all sides, walled in by water. Again, we're talking about Thebes. Ethiopia, in the land of Egypt, gave unlimited assistance. Again, we're talking about Thebes here. Yet Thebes fell, and her people were led away as captives. Are you any better than Thebes? Well, I'm sure that if Nineveh's getting this oracle, they're thinking, well, as a matter of fact, we are. <laughs> because there is this little fact that, well, we are the nation that defeated Thebes. You know, again, Assyria is the nation that flattened Thebes. You know, so when the oracle says, are you any better than Thebes? I say, well, well, you know, yeah, I think that's proven. Uh, but that's not really the nature of the question. Again, this... Oracle is not talking about the, you know, the, the deeds of, of Israel or Judah. You know? We're not talking about human action here. We're talking about divine action. And the point here is that there is no nation, no superpower that in any way can withstand the wrath of God. Are you any better than Thebes? We're not saying who's got the most powerful army. We're saying who's going to stand when God's wrath rains down. 
Are you any better than thieves? And of course the answer is no. All of its leaders were bound in chains. And so you, Nineveh, will also stagger like a drunkard. You hide for fear for the attacking enemy. Again, here is, you know, this, this uh, again, the, the proclamation of, of judgment. All your fortresses will fall, be devoured like ripe figs. Your troops will be as weak as women. The gates of your land will be opened wide to the enemy and set on fire and burn. Verses 14 to 19, uh, again, wraps it up. 14 to 17 is what, in, in prophetic literature, you would call it a taunt song. You know what it means to taunt? To taunt uh, sometimes means to tease, but in this case, it means to mock an enemy. So they're taunting them. Get ready for the siege. You know, store up water, strengthen your defenses, make some bricks to repair your walls, but it won't matter because the fire is going to destroy you. The sword's going to cut you down. There will be no escape. Uh, your guards and officials are like swarming locusts that fly away when the sun comes up. All of them will fly away and disappear. Again, it's a it's a taunt song, mocking the enemy there. And then the, the, the whole book in this final oracle closes in verses 18 and 19 with a, a, a funeral dirge. It's a funeral song. There's no healing for your wound. Your injury is fatal. Um, all who hear of your destruction will clap their hands for joy. Where can anyone be found who's not suffered from your continual cruelty? Or there's evil, your continual evil. So again, the celebration here in the end is, is, is a free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Uh, it is the nations of the world celebrating the, the final downfall of this wicked empire. Uh, who in the world is not going to celebrate your downfall uh, because of your continual cruelty? Uh, so if you think that Nahum the prophet is celebrating the, the defeat of, of a nation, yeah, you're right, but it's not it's not nationalism. It's not Nahum celebrating, you know, the conquest of his nation. No, this is celebrating the, the conquest of God, the ultimate, uh, you know, trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. His truth is marching on. It's that kind of thing. You understand? Celebrating not the triumph of any human nation, but the triumph of God and the final judgment uh, and the uh, settling of the score. Uh, by the God who, who alone can judge the righteous from the wicked. Um, so that's the book of Nahum. Good job, you. Good job. You just finished a, a hard Old Testament book. It's short, but it's dense and it's hard. So we get to turn the page, y'all. I'm excited. I admit, I am probably as much as anybody uh, a lover of the New Testament, and I just kind of plug through some of these Old Testament books because it's God's word and it's a good discipline and we're doing it together. But hey, we're gonna, now we get to go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter one for Monday, verses one to 11. Not the whole chapter, Acts chapter one, verses one to 11. The book of Acts will start on Monday morning. If I see you on Sunday in worship at eight, nine thirty or 11, it's Palm Sunday here at Woodburn. Uh, I'm still in the Easter people series talking about persons, saints and sinners we find on the road to Calvary. And on Sunday, I want us to talk about Barabbas. Barabbas, the one, um, the, gosh, Jesus dies in his place. It's the whole gospel, y'all, but Jesus dies in the place of Barabbas. The crowd shouts, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. You know, let Jesus be crucified. Let Barabbas be set free. And the amazing thing is, if you'd asked Jesus, he would have said the same thing. Let Barabbas go free. Let me die in his place. It's the gospel, y'all, on Sunday morning at Woodburn, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Uh, if I don't see you then, I will see you Monday morning, 10 o'clock, 10 with 10. We're going to start the book of Acts. I love you guys so much. Thanks for a good week in the Word. I'll see you Monday morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with 10. I love you guys.